0: podcast
1: the podcast is brought to you by soccer 90 don't forget to grab your new 2021 fc dallas gear at soccer 90.com the new fcd tiro pants t-shirts and yes the lovely powder blue community kit are available now third degree listeners do not forget to use promo code third degree to get that hefty 25 percent off at checkout Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fans. Welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hello, I'm Peter, and with me, as normal, in his home, is the good Dan Crook. Hi,
0: Peter. I'm uh, calling in from my closet, which is the only quiet place
1: in my home right now. I don't want to ask why that's the case, so I won't. Uh, and live from some highway near you in the Texas highways and byways, inside his car, remotely broadcasting, your hero in mind, founder and editor of ThirdDegree.net, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz.
2: Hey, thanks, Peter. I'm, I'm literally overlooking Texas Motor Speedway on the side of the highway, <laughs> halfway back from Denton.
1: What were you doing in Denton?
2: Uh, I was working the NIT tournament for ESPN today. Um and I will be all week, but uh that's what I was doing today. Davidson versus so, North Carolina State.
1: Uh so I guess that means you did not get to watch the very retro feeling uh US Olympic qualifier that happened earlier today.
2: Indeed not. I didn't, but uh, you know, uh, did you a tape scoring, it? so hurrah. Did, did I taped you tape it. it? Yeah, but I know it's I know the score. I taped it.
1: Dan, did you tape it or did you watch it?
2: Uh
0: I I did watch it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That was a really, really crummy two hours of soccer watching.
0: Yeah, that sucked. That was a real first game. I,
1: I Here's what I don't know. You know, I'm old enough now that I realize, I have to remember that there is literally an entire generation of people that are now watching U.S. soccer for the first time or relatively new to this and My biggest takeaway from today's game, which, by the way, they did win over Costa Rica 1-0, is simply that, man, that really felt like old school U.S. soccer scramble, scramble, scramble uh, through and through. None of this new generation, hey, we've got the next great golden group of players. This was old school fight and tussle and just make it really hard on ourselves U.S. soccer.
0: It was kind of a byproduct of this, the fact that, you know, no club has to release players for this, uh, particularly Europe. So your uh, your top players are out. Even your Brom Reynolds and Reggie Cannons, you know, aren't able to, to come in for that. So that immediately, and, and we saw the effect in the defense of where it was uh, glad from RSL and the keeper and a whole lot of nothing.
1: Yeah, it was a, a buzz. It was a weird game, and there are certainly a ton of circumstances that led to uh, this effort. You know, the, these guys are all off season. Uh, the COVID thing. This is not our best group of players. This is the first time all of them have played together in a competitive game, and it probably ever. Uh, but uh, it was lots of really poor decision making. Uh, really weird, slow, lethargic play. And Costa Rica, which was made up of a bunch of guys who are actually in season, uh, really took it to them, and it took a, a pretty good uh, performance from the American goalkeeper to keep him out of it. Jesus, I will note, uh, the game starts off, Buzz, two minutes into the game. Jesus absolutely s- steals the ball from a Costa Rican center back at the top of the box, gets into the box and beats the keeper, hits the post, and then I think, Hello, America. Welcome to FC Dallas Finishing.
0: But that was the <laughs> prototypical Lucci upfront immediate press. We got to see some yes, FC it Dallas. Was. Yeah. it
1: was. I mean... It, it actually it was a really good sign, though.
0: Definitely. Hopefully, I uh, see a little bit more of that and and some sharper finishing. He was a bit unlucky to, to catch the uh, the inside post. Uh, and also, um, going back to your point about the players looking a bit disjointed, uh... It's worth pointing out Costa Rica had six players from Aloense. so you know those are guys that play week in week out together, and they just had five spares around them.
1: Uh, Buzz, I don't, I, you know, it's a it's a tough slog. You know how these these Concacaf games are against good competition; they're never as pretty as you want them to be. It's easy to kind of knock on the guys, but on top of it, just being one of those prototypical Concacaf matches in the heat of me- at altitude in Mexico. um, Uh, all the other reasons, certainly we probably should come away just feeling glad they got the three points because that's really what they needed to help uh, really put themselves in a good position to get to the semifinals.
2: Yeah, you have to be excited that Jesus did score. You know, he continues to be really hot for the country. You hope that that mentality translates back for FC Dallas. I mean, I would love to see him take over the nine job. You know how I feel about that position right now. Um, And we have to be really excited too that Tanner got uh, the invite back in when um, the player, got, the other guy got hurt, Yanos got hurt. Uh, now, somebody asked me, like, was it, was it, why did they call him And he's a different position? And it's a fair question, but when you're the bottom guy on the roster, which Tanner is in this case, you know, and he's so much younger than most other guys on that team, for, for Tanner, this is, this is really about being in a U.S. camp at a high level, You know, you bring him in as much for what he's going to do in training and the fact that his team's not playing and it's no big deal that he can miss another month. You know, so Tanner being called back is about Tanner's future, not about, like, what he's going to help Jason do over the next week and a half. You know, so those are two really big positives for the two FC Dallas guys, and that's a win for the local club no matter what the result is.
1: Jesus' uh, Jesus finish today was very good. He made a nice run, uh, backside run. Uh, And this was one of the very few moments where the United States looked really good in Yeah, You know, know, the weird thing about it, I don't know if it was the altitude or what it was, but both teams were really having a a really poor time of keeping the ball on the field at width. The goalkeepers, uh, players uh, making cross-field passes were constantly putting the ball out for throw-ins. I'm I, I'm sure that has something to do with altitude or something, but it almost made the field play very very narrow. Although by the way the lines were set up, it didn't it didn't look like it should be narrow. Um, but UF got some width on that one goal, and, and Jesus capitalized on it. So um, good good for him for scoring, and I certainly think it, if he continues to play well for the national team, it's up, it sets up an incredibly fascinating narrative for what Luccis going to do with him and Hara and even Pepe to some degree uh, going into the FC Dallas season.
0: Yeah, just the the only uh the only real downside of it all was uh you know he he had that second chance the one-on-one and came a lot, came back uh with what appeared to be cramp, hopefully that's all it is, but Chris immediately pulled him so I guess we'll wait and see if if that's all it was.
1: Yeah, it was pretty clear to me that was both uh, he had two cramps a cramp in both calves the way he was walking. I don't think it was anything more than that.
2: Yeah. Everyone's in preseason mode, including the guys that even been in that camp. They're still in preseason mode. You know, you're supposed to try and stay fit year round these days. It doesn't shock me that a young guy like Jesus may have slacked off a little bit, you know, in the winter. uh, I'm sure he'll get it all together. And, And as you say, it will be fantastic if he can come in. I mean, I thought one of the problems last year, once Cobra left was that hard, didn't really feel challenged by Pepe. hopefully Jesus will make more of a real, not that we don't think Pepe's got a future, but if Hara doesn't think he's challenged, then he's not going to be motivated. And so if Jesus shows up banging in goals for the national team, hopefully that'll light a fire under Hara for one, but also just if Jesus brings that form back and can give Luchy two options as a nine and even take that job away from Hara, I'll be ecstatic about that.
1: Well, the U.S. has Dominican Republic up next on Sunday. I think the game is at 7 on FS1. Uh, they're certainly going to have to sharpen up their game. I know the Dominican Republic is uh, this particular group's uh, chum, or at least it's supposed to be. Uh, but the U.S. really needs to sharpen up their game, uh, fix some of this bad passing and dallying on the ball. Or some quick players for the Dominican Republic could may give them some trouble, but... Uh, one three points today in the one win over Costa Rica, uh, as bad as they played overall, is, and, and you know, is just clearly a good start, uh, at least in terms of results. So good for that. All right, so Buzz, we know uh, preseason for FC Dallas has begun up in Frisco. Stuff is going on. Now Tanner is back. The other news today is that another FC Dallas player also got a call-up to his national team.
2: Oh Yeah, uh, Brian Acosta is going to go to Honduras um, for, I think it's about two weeks. It's the it's the international window that's coming up at the end of, in the latter half of March, so maybe it's not really like a full two weeks, but, um, you know, we've talked before about Brian Acosta. As much as, like, there are moments people don't like his performance, he's been hurt a lot. I mean, last year, what was it, Dan, he only played half the games or something, but yeah, look got to remember 22. the guy is a— yeah, the guy's a World Cup veteran. He is a first-team, first call-up starter for his country. He is a DP. So in the club's mind and Luigi's mind, that's a very valuable player. And if, if going to his country helps him get his game back, gets his mojo back, that's a win for the club. He'll be back on, like, the 29th, I think. So he's not going to miss. I mean, the season doesn't start until the 17th. So he's got plenty of time to get back and get integrated back in.
0: Lucci talks a lot about you know wanting players to go through emotional, physical, mental adversity. You know he's got to go take a flight over to Europe, play a couple of games, fly back from Greece. Uh, you know that's uh he's going to be playing a higher level of opposition than he would do playing against uh, you know Austin Bold, and uh, yeah, have, have that kind of that adver- that adversity that, that Lucci craves quite a lot out of the players
1: so unfortunately and we can talk more about this here in a little bit we're not getting an opportunity to really uh check out uh training at all where you know media is not allowed to watch any of this stuff um buzz are you getting any kind of insight on any particular players from any of your sources that you'd like to share
2: yeah i got i got three actually uh one on surreal one on hardair oh sorry let me get it right Hader, Obreon. Am I getting that there right, Peter? And then, um, I think you did it right. The last one is uh, Freddy Vargas. So those are the three guys I can do a little hit on. Which one do you want
1: first? Uh, why don't you just go in that order?
2: Okay, so Edwin Sarrio, I got a little vibe that um, he's sort of found a little bit of fire, that he has his uh, confidence has sort of come back. I think, obviously, getting the sixth jersey number. I mean, listen, some people don't care about numbers, but some people really do. And when you get a guy who's wearing 33 <coughs> club offers <laughs> Jimmy Mauer. Yeah, and then we'll get back to that. When a guy that's wearing 33 has the club say, no, no, dude, you're you're a guy. Here's the six jersey. I mean, that's a big deal for a guy that plays that spot. And that was like his academy number. So uh, I understand that he's having a really nice recovery of mentality and, and good camp. So that's good. I mean, he's not obviously going to take away Chad not does his job. But it's still nice to have heard that. Um coming out of the first week when they were playing a whole lot of small ball. Now this is not big field stuff. Mind you just small little drills, getting the energy up, getting the ball movement up. I heard some positive things about Freddie Vargas. Now he's a, you know, a nifty ball handling false wing kind of player. So that's not a surprise that he would look pretty decent in that scenario. And then the other thing I heard was about, uh, how was actually Darth Jader. I like prefer, um, was not looking that great. Now, Let's caveat that big time with he is a very vertical Fabian Castillo style player, right? He's not going to look good at all in small-sided stuff and will look much, much better when you get onto a big field. So like the early little, like he was struggling the first week with the small-side stuff does not surprise me at all, and I'm, I'm not putting any stock into that as a bad scout on this guy or something because he I don't expect to see him do like, it's like I think a Marco Barrios is going to be great in a tiny little five-on-five drills. It's like, no, no, it's the verticality. That's what you want from him. And so we'll see when he gets onto a big field. If we ever get to see them, hopefully we'll see something good out of him.
1: Uh, should we take it as a good sign or a bad sign that the first goal of training was scored by Johnny Nelson?
2: Mm, I don't. I don't want to take it as a bad sign because defense is usually. Uh, well, uh, what, how do we think that? You know, it was a nice like, move. It was a nice move, and I think Thomas Roberts and I think Khalil el Elmetikour had a lot to do with that buildup. Um, and uh, what the positive, of course, is that Johnny's getting forward offensively. That's good. Um, you know, the downside is maybe some of the veterans are not. You know how veterans are. Veterans don't walk into camp. You know, with like a gung ho from the first minute mentality, I, I wouldn't read too much into it at one at, at this point. I mean, you're really talking okay. about one goal on the season. So um, now, if it well, continues I gave you over the I, next two or three games. Yeah,
1: I, I gave you the option of good or bad. You went with good, so I appreciate. I'm glad. I'm glad you went with good because that's what I was hoping you would say. I want yeah. more Johnny Nelson in my in my FC Dallas.
2: Well, you might be getting that. I I, wanna, I have a topic I want to talk about a little later on the show if if we can try and make like a prediction about the opening lineup with a month to go that i have a couple thoughts about that that might make johnny yunelson fans happy we'll see
1: all right just, before oh go ahead i'm sorry dan i was, I was gonna
0: say just uh one, one kind of thing that's what i've always pointed out you know the, the start of preseason it's always uh, particularly with lucci it's let's try and put everyone in different positions so i think from the b-roll that we've seen Derek Waldeck a, a left back has been playing center back uh uh, Khalil El-Makar, who's a left wing, is playing right wing. Ryan's playing right back. We've got kind of players all over the place, not necessarily up to their usual defensive responsibilities, and likewise on the attacking side of the ball. So, you know, it it's kind of hard because FC Dallas are always going to put out the the positive side, which is, oh, yeah, such-and-such such scored a goal, and it kind of takes away the the context of, you know we know we know uh, Ryan's talked extensively about his struggles of when he goes from left to right and then and switching tendencies, not knowing which shoulder to look over and and he has to kind of get back into a river mode. so you know as always, this time of season, you don't really take too much uh, stock in it.
1: all right, so another issue that I think we should talk about is the realization that we all came to uh this week about how uh, the media or fan base will be allowed to watch any of the scrimmages or friendlies that the club has scheduled and and by all accounts it turn it sounds like the club is not allowing the media to do any like watch the games go attend with or without fans and there will be no streaming or broadcast which I find really weird. And my question is, Buzz, do we have any... Un, is this like a Luchi wants everything top secret thing? Is this a Hunts don't want to spend the money thing? What is it?
2: Well, yeah, that's a good question. Like, when I asked, like, I, I guess it was maybe two days ago now. They, they did say at that time, no stream and no media for the next... The game this Saturday and then the game next Wednesday. We've had heard rumors they're going to allow some fans in at some point, but I don't, I don't know. There's no official word on that. Um, now, in the past... Not this year, but in the past, they've always said stuff about, oh, Lucci doesn't want people to see this stuff. But then if you ask Lucci, he's like, no, I never said that. So I, I don't know whether people are misreading each other or whether it's just them assuming Lucci doesn't want people to see their stuff. But, like, you know, it, the game that you wouldn't want people to see is the last one when you're doing, like, what you're going to do opening day. Like, the game's now. Who cares? But right? There's... I mean, they're they're they're, they're going to be mixing up the lineups. They're going to be trying to balance the teams not having me first team versus second team. So why they're trying to hide it is, I mean, it's like everything Lucci does tactically, he's in his third year. I mean, everybody knows the way he plays. They know Dallas has one or two formations they like to use. It's like there's no secrets out there in this stuff anymore. And so why, you know, they're doing this, I really have no idea other than the excuse of the COVID protocol So, I mean, hopefully somewhere we'll get to watch, or fans will get to watch, or somebody will get to watch. Because right now, it stinks trying to cover this team and talk about what's going on when all you can do is call people you know and go, dude, can you tell me anything, and and hopefully get something.
0: Well, I mean, I remember last year with the OKC game, exactly what you said. Uh, you know, they said, uh, you know, there'd be no media for it, and I, uh, I went down to practice, and, and I said to Luigi, hey, uh, do you mind if I uh, actually come up and watch the game, even if I don't report on it, I just kind of want to get a feel for our coverage in the season, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's, why wouldn't you be able to report on it, so I said, well, you know, they said no stream, no media, he's like, oh, I asked for no stream, because I don't want, like, comprehensive video of us trying a three-five-two for, like, the second time ever, but... Yeah, they must have, like I say, got confused about the media aspect.
1: I just, you know, um, I what is that? What's that? What is it? Occam's Razor: the most likely answer is the most obvious one. Which? What is that phrase? Yes. What is it? Is that what That's it's Arthur's called? Razor, okay, yeah. no. okay, thanks. And and my My guess is, is that it has nothing to do with Lucci, it has nothing to do with the coaching staff, and it has everything to do with the realization that the amount of people that would watch a stream just isn't worth it for the time, effort, energy, and money it would take to put together. Because, you know, to do that, you're going to have to get three or four people to help produce it and shoot it. And there's just, that's the only thing I can think of that makes any sense. But at the same time... Do the people in this front office not understand that this is like the most historically lowly attended club in the league? And they're, and like the level of interest in this club, especially in the local media, is just drying up as fast as it possibly could. And they need to be doing everything they possibly can to generate interest and, you know, giving people something to watch could not hurt in any way shape or form it can only help in that matter and i'm baffled by why they seem so apathetic about allowing fans access early in the season like this it makes absolutely yeah, think, no sense to me
2: i think you're right about the money and it's 100 percent true that i well in my opinion it's true that the crowds are going to be absolutely brutal because even if they get 100 percent open the Dallas doesn't have a sellout fan base anyway. They have a half full fan base anyway. And half of those people are going to be like, I'm not risking it during COVID. And then there's the fact that they allowed the Black Lives Matter protests. So about half those people were mad. And then they screwed up with Reggie and the other side, if you quote unquote the other side, by not by asking him to read a prepared statement or whatever. So they've pissed off that side of the audience. So like the Dallas audience has got to be FC Dallas audience has to be as decimated as it has ever been short of Southlake right now. I mean these numbers this year are gonna rival or even beat South Lake for apathy, lack of attendance, lack of coverage. Unless something dramatic happens between now and the end of the season, I just don't see it happening.
1: Well, it'll end up having to be uh, the team playing very well and a star or star players coming out of it that begin to get national attention. Uh, that's really what yeah. it's going to have to come down to that will end up driving the interest because we know the club's not going to spend any money to promote itself. Um, or the other thing will be, uh, you know, uh, players continue to bypass the senior team and go straight to Europe. Uh, And make noise that way. And if that continues to happen, that will continue to overshadow the senior, you know, the actual MLS product, um, which is clearly something that's in danger of happening now. Um, that we've talked about previously. But again, I just, I I, I wish somebody would just, whoever it is, and I'm assuming because Gina Miller is responsible for all of this stuff, if somebody would just come out and explain to us their reasoning behind it so that we could at least react to that, right? Um, The fact that they just kind of saying, no, we're not doing anything and we're not going to explain why, um, uh, it, it actually just makes it all the more frustrating.
2: Well, to be fair, I didn't actually ask for an explanation. I just said, will they? And they were like, no. So I
1: was like, you know, okay. In
0: all of our daily lives, right, if we make a decision, we tend to explain it. That's just kind of the, yeah. the courtesy behind it.
1: Well, the fact, that they, uh, the fact that they just say no and they don't say no, but here's the reason why, lends me to believe that the reason why is something they don't want to tell people publicly because it won't look good on the club, Right. Yeah, it's like, out. hey, we, yeah. we, don't want, we, we just don't want to work that hard at it. We don't want to spend <laughs> the money at it. Uh, we're doing something top secret in the roster that we don't want to tell you about or let on about. I mean, any of those. I mean, there's here at the end of the at the end of the day, Buzz, there is not an answer they can give us to tell us why they're not broadcasting these games or giving media access other than the covid bit uh, in any way, shape or form yeah. that that is a good answer. Is there? Am I missing something?
2: Well, no, but I guarantee you that I – th- I, not a guarantee, but I'm very convinced that you're right, that it is just the money, that because of the diminished audience from COVID, the diminished audience from all the other things that are happening, uh, that they're just going to be bleeding money this season. Like, there's – I mean, you know, the only way they've even come close to breaking even probably is that they just sold Brian Re- Reynolds for $8 million. You know, that's the thing that's going to keep them yeah. close to even because they've got to be losing just crazy amounts of money – In their defense, last year and what did Garber say? Thirty million per team. I mean, Dallas probably had less to lose because they run a frugal ship anyway. So I'm sure that right now up there, every little dime matters, and that's probably a massive, massive part of it. And I, at some levels, I don't blame them for that part of it because they got to try and stop the bleeding. But at the same time, like you have to spend money to make money too. You know, you your 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 owners are billionaires. They ought to be able to float this thing. And if they want to have any audience at all, they're going to have to eat some money this year to have any audience at all. Or you're going to get nothing, you know.
1: Well, I, you know, I think we all know the you know many many stories we've heard over the years about people's interactions with the sales team uh, for ticket sales. Uh, and and I don't know. I'm, I'm under I'm under the impression that during COVID the hunts were forced to lay off a, a certain amount of people, and I don't know if they've not re, you know refilled those positions or how that all went down. But I'll just personally, I've been I've been sitting here receiving an email once every other day from a salesperson asking me if I'm interested in buying season tickets again that I've never spoken to once in my life. I don't know this person from Adam or Eve. And every email they send me informs me that they have left me a voicemail. Nobody's ever called me. Nobody's ever left me a voicemail. It's just a form email. I mean, I get this same. I get the, and it's a variation on the same thing. Hey, Mr. Welpton, I'm so-and-so. You probably got my voicemail I left you yesterday about season tickets for this year. And I'm like, no, you've not left me a voicemail. Um, And it's that level of, Uh, Lack of attention and and uh, a service that I just think haunts this club um, and will and if they have in fact reduced their sales staff and there's you know really young just out of college kids that are being asked to do ticket sales at at, you know and having to just cold call people left and right I it probably is a big part of their problem I mean I'm still
2: not convinced that we're not going to get through this whole thing without somebody going down in this league you know I don't know that it'll be the Hunts, but, you know, it's like... What do there, you mean? a lot of money. A team, like... I mean, we already lost Republic Sacramento Republic, right, as an expansion team. So it's just not going to shock me if, like, if the money losses just get so massive for somebody. You know, because, like, we're not even sure necessarily that we're coming out of this thing. I mean, I saw reports this week of, of, about a new a new surge coming, and they're talking about variations. of the I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to get into that argument. I'm just saying that, like, this thing could be... A year, a couple of years before we're through it still. And it'll be a miracle if we get out of this thing with all 30 teams still intact, really.
1: Well, have we heard, along with the Cowboys announcing that they are, you know, with, with the Rangers opening up in a net, you know, I think next week, at least their opening game is going to be 100%. Jerry Jones saying the Cowboys are planning on having 100% at and t Stadium. Have we heard anything from FC Dallas about their intentions on opening day and the number and, and attendance?
2: Uh, No, I have not specifically. By the way, the NFL closed a $10 billion TV deal today, media deal today. Yeah. So, you know, I I haven't heard, but I mean, yeah, go ahead, Dan. I
0: was going to say, as far as the attendance, anything they've said is limited.
2: Well, I'm sure they're going to say that because even if they did open it up completely, they would still have 2,000 fans there because no one's going to come. Yeah,
0: I mean, look at last season. They put 5,000 tickets on sale and... No one bought them, so they said, okay, we're going to reduce it to 3,000, and still they only ever sold 2,000.
1: Well, I know this (laughs) is really selfish, but I'm hoping that the attendance continues to be really tiny because I love going to an FCD game when nobody else is there. (laughs) Yeah, I do too, actually. (laughs) Just come to the
0: press box. It's the same.
1: It's my own secret little uh, watching party. I dig it. It's so great. I I drive in late. I leave quickly. Uh, I don't have to stand in line. And nobody's around me yelling stupid things at the field. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can get somebody
2: to eat really easily. There's like a hundred yeah. yard walk in the stadium. It's awesome, actually. You got Parking's the bathroom free. essentially I mean,
1: it's to like, yourself. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's so good. It's, it's yeah. totally the wrong attitude away. to have, and I admit that, yeah. but uh, it is it's how really I felt. Last <laughs> <laughs> I on, really it's really unsafe. Nobody come. Come on. I
2: Nobody should come.
0: It's not like they <laughs> advertise and people even know it's happening. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, so the other thing no, I wanted sir. to mention real quick was uh, somebody from the club posted a photo of the inside of the stadium uh, this week and uh, said, hey, the, everything's looking great for an April 17th kickoff. And the one thing that I noticed was over in the southwest uh, corner where the, uh, all of the supporter groups are being moved to, and I'm under the impression there is going to be quote-unquote safe standing appears to be just a whole bunch of the same seats that were there when I last was at the stadium, and it made me wonder, is that all actually happening, or is that in in, in uh, limbo, or is that something they're going to screw together at the very last second? Dan, do you know anything about this?
0: Yeah, so your uh, quote-unquote part was probably the most accurate bit about it. Um, basically, because of the CBA, they can't use the field seats, so... And they've always wanted to close the beer garden, so they said, hey, since you're uh, going to be at reduced capacity anyway, we want to move you... Or, sorry, not we want to. We're going to move the supporters' groups to the southwest corner of the stadium, um, which, you know, at times has been the away section, or kind of the the free ticket section anyway. Um, the compromise was supposed to be the promise of safe standing. Now... The supporters groups believe that to be like uh, Borussia Dortmund or Celtic, that you know those individual rails that have the seats that lock up and lock down. And uh, ever since then, it's been there's been a lot of going back and forth of uh, I guess what you would say is quote unquote an approval process basically until uh, FC Dallas operations think oh yeah that actually works, um, and they've uh, been repeatedly crudely uh, fabricating. Some railings to bolt into the existing seat bolts, uh, which are going to be a massive safety hazard. Um, And the the real unfortunate part is they've called it a supporters group a bunch of times, but they've repeatedly gone back to the supporters groups and said, hey, you guys are temporary. We need this for high school football for the bands. We need this for NCAA. We wait, need hold to...
1: on. Ho- wait, wait, hold on, I'm very confused. At what, that we need what for high school bands and NCAA?
0: The, the seating section.
1: So they need to leave the seats for those things?
0: They would probably just reinstall them. Basically, they're leaving all the bolts in the concrete, so they just bolt out and bolt back in.
1: Oh, so when you say the safety hazard, you're talking about the bolts sticking out of the concrete. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like a terrible safety hazard. There's
0: like three, three inches of uh, three inch bolts sticking out of concrete.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that sounds okay. Terrible. Well, yeah. that sounds incredibly dangerous. Uh, okay, I I can't believe that's the that can't be true. It's
0: that's what I've been that's what I've spoken to people about, and that's that's the what's happening right now. I've seen a picture of some of the early proposals for this uh, safe standing, and it wasn't even fully bolted into the concrete. So, like one person leans on it, and it's going over.
1: Uh, it's, yeah just I, I'm going to tell you what here I'm going to I'm going to tell you up front what's going to happen I'm going to make a prediction I'm going to predict that there will be no quote-unquote safe standing the seats will re- still be there when the first game kicks off this season and the and the and the explanation is we couldn't figure out a way to do safe standing and also be able to reconvert it back into seats and so we're just not going to do safe standing you guys just move over here
0: yeah 100 percent. I mean they don't want to spend a penny on it um from what I've been told, everything that uh, every proposal that they've seen and they cite manufacturer of delays has just been something that's been removed from the bleachers in the garden and bolted together.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. the version I saw. It was basically a bleacher stuck on a rail.
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> and you know, and at the end of the day, we can everybody can come up with their own conspiracy as to whether or not they actually ever intended to have safe standing in the first place, and it wasn't just some idea or red herring they threw out there just to sell everybody on the reason why i think because here's here's the thing that i keep thinking about is and again maybe because the stadium's going to be so empty this year it's still a moot point but at some point down the road if in fact they start getting attendances back closer to 100 percent, 75 plus and that old beer garden space is just a dead empty space of nothing like Do they have any plan to do anything with that? So it's just going to be an empty space? Yep. And it's so weird.
2: I just got a tweet from 3rd Anon that says that they've never really wanted to do the safe standing. So let's keep an eye on that account.
1: uh, That's a QAnon
2: joke third and on uh, that's to oh okay
1: oh i, I, <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> I was going to say it are you getting somebody listening again? to is somebody <laughs> listening to our conversation in real time okay buzz yeah, with third, the comedy and on says, uh, third and yeah, on yeah third
2: and on yeah
1: okay well now you've given it up now we can't make it a burner account so is that fourth know, degree
0: or big bad mls or so confused
1: (laughs) so confusing (laughs) all right well i'm sure uh on april 17th in the first game we'll know far more about it but i think uh all signs are indicating that you guys are just being all those supporter groups are just being shipped over there and you're just gonna have to like it
0: oh yeah they're just being led along unfortunately
1: Um, All right, so this is also one week away from the start of the next Dallas Cup. My good friend and co-host of the Kickaround, Andy Swift, has been working like mad to get this thing back up and running after having to take a year off for obvious reasons last year. And what most people may not be aware of yet, this will be a, a super throwback Dallas Cup. There will be no super group this year. Um, and all of the teams are domestic. Now, obviously, due to travel restrictions and COVID restrictions, they're going to have about the same number of teams as they typically do in a Dallas Cup, but they'll all be from uh, the United States. But the big addition this year is they are adding a set of girls groups. I think there's three girls groups, maybe four, um, and that's a huge addition to the tournament, and they've been included in there too, and that uh, it, on the long term uh, will be there. Now, ge- uh, the Generation Adidas Cup is uh, is not taking place this year. That's the other big uh, shift for uh, 2021.
2: Oh, yeah, the MLS run thing. I totally forgot about that, the U17 level.
1: The
0: hardest yeah. tr- uh, competition to cover in the
1: world. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's not happening this year um but uh i'm just glad to see dallas cup take back yeah. off again uh unfortunately this will be the second year in a row i will not have a pair of english referees home staying at my house for me to ass whip to no end um yeah, i will not gonna we'll say what that, i was gonna say then <laughs> we'll, we'll pick that back up next year hopefully
2: I'm going to do a series next week of uh, you know on each of the FC Dallas Academy teams. So I'll have stuff for people to read if they're interested in that, um, and we'll be covering the tournament too. So that'll be good.
1: Well, I will I will tease on the on the kick around this weekend on Saturday. Uh, we're going to talk to Andy about Dallas Cup, and he has promised to deliver his best eleven Dallas Cup ever. Wow, and and it's Paxton in it. We'll find out
2: It's Pax's name 11 times on the sheet yeah. <laughs> But with Wayne be. Rooney and Raul up
1: front <laughs> yeah. It might be <clears throat> um, Okay, yeah. let's see What else do we have in here uh, Buzz, uh, I, I, you didn't actually write it in crayon this time this, Because I guess no. you were on the road We didn't get to get a, a crayon written note um, <clears throat> It is uh, something that you're unhappy about with Lucci What would you be mad about Lucci?
2: Oh yeah, this was an article that appeared somewhere else um, where Lucci's doubling down on his versatility bit that he likes players that can play kind of all over the place. And Dan alluded to this with the practice with them shifting guys around or whatever. And um, I, I could not disagree with Lucci more. I hate this. I hate this because this is not the academy where you have three guys that are amazing and then 15 fillers. And so your three guys that are amazing, you can literally put anywhere, and they're amazing, and your 15 fillers you can put anywhere, and they're just filler. So this is the professional level where guys spend their entire adult professional career. And Dan, I know you have some examples of this. Starting with like 16 and up, you need to be focused on what you're playing and where you're playing it because you have to play it to the highest High, of high levels, right? The only players that have ever pulled off pure versatility was like the Dutch with Cruyff. It's like, other than that, nobody actually does that. You have to specialize in what you do, and particularly if you're talking about in Major League Soccer, where everybody is kind of relative to the world game now. Everyone in the Major League Soccer is pretty good, but not incredible world class. So these guys need to be focused on their one thing, and the perfect example of this is Jesus. Because you're moving that dude all over the field all the time, he's just mediocre at everything and not great at one thing. And I I hate this, and I couldn't think that this is the biggest screw-up that Lucci's doing, and I'm sure he would tell me I'm completely wrong, and I'm going to tell him he's completely wrong if we talk about it because this is ridiculous. It's like you don't take Matt Hedges... And put Matt Hedges at six because you want Matt Hedges to play other positions. He's a damn center back. Tell you i, where belongs. That. I know, that's a bad example, you know, because <laughs> that hasn't happened with Matt Hedges. But it's true across the whole field. You don't put Jimmy Maurer at forward, you know, you do your one thing to the best of your ability and quit screwing around with all this other stuff.
1: Well, okay, but let's let's also uh, uh, clarify this a little bit. You're not talking about the nuances between positions, like the difference between playing, you know, an eight and a double eight, or uh, uh, you know, no. somebody playing a false nine versus a ten. Those are small nuances. You're talking about significant yeah. shifts in position.
2: I'm talking about Hey Zeus playing wing and nine and attacking mid and eight. I'm talking about Paxton playing left wing, right wing, six, eight, left wing back. I'm talking about Brian Riddles playing right wing, left wing, right back, left back, center back. Stop it. Just play guys. Pick pick their best spot. Look, the, the, the academy guys will tell you the goal of the academy with the very best players is to make that player the very best at what they do. That doesn't stop because the guy turned 18. Make Pepe the very best nine you can make him. Stop making him a wing. Stop making him a – stop – Unless you're going to convert a guy to, like, right back full-time like Reynolds, once you do, make him play right back the whole time. Stop putting him back at wing. Stop putting him at nine. Just play him where you play him. Make him the best he can be at his thing. And quit screwing with the guy's head trying to learn two positions at once.
1: Okay, but let me, let me, uh, let me play devil's advocate here for a bit. If you're Lucci and you have that situation with Ricardo Pepe, but you also have a million dollar forward that you're a uh, guy you're paying a million bucks a year, and and Frank O'Hara. How are you ever going to get Ricardo Pepe time unless you play him in a different position, especially if it's a position that you're kind of weak at?
2: Well, you have to have the juice to be able to bench the other guy and to pull him and to get him minutes. But you know, you, when in training, you play two teams. You know, mm-hmm. you have another nine position you can train a guy in. You know, but mainly you just have to be like when you're going to sub Pepe in, put him in for Hara. Take Hara out. You know, it's like you have to. It's different. You know, if you're talking about the difference between like an eight and a 10, you know, that's just a slide in the midfield. That's like a 10 yard difference, right? And especially in Luchi ball where you're going to want to play defense out of your 10. There really is no 10. There's an eight and a high eight. Whatever. That's the same position. But you're talking about center channel, center forward, high 9 versus, like, far out left wing. Or look at Paxton. Like, what position does Paxton play on this team? Uh, I think he should be playing as a attacking 8. Andy wants him to play linking 8. Apparently, Lucian wants him to play left wing. It's like, where does he play? It's no wonder the guy can't, you know, every time he plays, it's in a different position. Well, that has nothing to do with him being healthy. I was going to say, he can't say healthy, but that's stupid. I just, I just hate this versatility all over the field junk in a league that requires, at, at the highest levels of the game, this isn't your pub league where I can play eight positions. You know, it's like, st- stop being well, it, ridiculous. It,
1: but it's good to have, it, it is good to have a utility player like a, Ryan's, a Ryan Hollingshead who can kind of fill in here and there. But your point, and I think you've made it very yeah. clear is that they need to allow players to uh, to grow and learn a specific core position and quit trying to yes. jam them in places that are not naturally their best spot. And if you've got a bunch yeah, of guys a, that, that are all playing the same thing, what you've got is a roster problem.
2: Yeah, like having a utility knife guy that when I'm in trouble, I can stick in another spot that I have great faith in, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they have like, Nine players that all kind of are the same, that all can kind of play like nine different, not nine, like four or five of the front positions, right? That's what Lucci's doing is like everybody from the six forward, he's basically interchanging all those parts. And it's like none of those guys. And you like think about how Doyle rips his team all the time for the horrible offensive combos in the final third. Like nobody knows what they're doing. It's because you move them all around all the time. Put them in one spot so they can figure it out. Sorry, I'm on my soapbox
1: on this one. Let's just no, it's cool. fine. Let's just I love a, I love a testy buzz.
0: So you, yeah, uh, I'm fired up. So let's just like kind of dial it back a little because you said like uh, you know there were there were examples of it and the thing I would liken it to is is how the Spanish uh, develop youth players. You know they they don't have a position until they turn 16 because they want to see you know in england if you're 12 years old and you've had your growth spurt early you're a center back you might be the most skillful player on the field but you are a center back um and then everyone else grows taller you know in spain it's got to be you know until you start playing with adults you you're a utility guy and then you figure out what your position actually is so you get guys like carlos uh, Puyo, who can you know run the ball like an attacking midfielder but his his niche was center back um of course there was the 2009 champions league final when he ran right through peter's man united time um that's rude <laughs> i agree i, I totally but agree with you which is why i started this,
2: off saying like it's not an yeah. academy thing well that, that's
0: that's the You're thing you know you get guys like an andre ziniesta or a wayne rooney or someone who can who can play two different positions very very well you also get guys who just kind of get shoehorned into positions they're just not suitable for. So there's just, you know, it's just illustrating there is a difference. You're not you know, crit- like you said, you're not critiquing like a Ryan Hollins head or a Johnny Nelson's another one who who can play a couple right, of no. positions pretty comfortably. But yeah, it, it totally makes the team ineffective if somebody's not comfortable at a position, but you're like, "Yeah, can you just go and do a job for us?" Cuz then the phrase you know, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none is completely appropriate.
2: Yes. That's what I'm saying.
1: All right. You okay, Buzz? Because I I know you still have to drive home after this. I don't want you to get in a car accident or anything.
0: He's going to go drive around Texas Motor Speedway. We don't need, like, a
1: road rage incident. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, uh, anything else that we wanted to talk about today? Yeah,
2: I want to do my – I want to raise an idea – Because I want to hear you two guys respond to it. So it's a month from opening day. And I want to talk about the starting 11 for opening day. Um, Not 100% in specifics because we don't know. We're a month out and we haven't seen squat. But let's talk about Lucci and talk about the way Lucci works. And let's talk about battles. Because we know certain things, right? We know Jimmy Maurer's playing. We know Matt Hedges is playing. Assuming everybody's healthy. We know that Jose, Jose Martinez is 90% likely to be next to Matt Hedges, right? That's fair. You know Tiago Santos is playing. You know Andres Ricarte is playing. But then you have a bunch of things that are battles, right? Like probably Acosta Testman's a battle, but you know, with, with the DP money that Acosta's is getting play, paid and the fact he's a World Cup player, he's probably 70% likely he's the guy there, right? But let's look at the rest of it, right? Frank Harris getting paid a million bucks, so more than likely he's going to start opening day if he's healthy. Jader O'Brien was brought in to be the right wing, so he's going to start opening day. Right back, maybe it's Tuamasi, maybe it's Moonjoma, Both those guys are projects. Think about how conservative Lucci is defensively. What are the chances that opening day, and Dan and I have talked about this for sure, that Brisson is your right back opening day? I think a pretty good shot. How about left wing, the other place that's up for a big battle right now? Because despite the fact that teams saying Paxson's 100%, I'm suggesting that we should tap the brakes on that a little bit because Lucci did say they want to bring him along conservatively. So let's just say there's a chance that maybe Paxson is not ready to start, maybe not ready to start opening day. That would leave you Khalil Elmetkur or Freddy Vargas, who's 21, from Venezuela. Do you trust, does Lucci trust either one of those guys to start opening day? How likely is it that Ryan Hollingshead would be your left wing opening day and therefore Johnny Nelson's your left back opening day? So you're looking at Maurer, Nelson, Martinez, Hedges, Bresson across the back, Santos, Acosta, Ricarte, and then Hollingshead, Hara, O'Brien up top. So we're going to find out over the next month, but I think given Lucci's mentality, I'm predicting there's a good chance that's your opening day 11.
0: Buzz, this sounds awfully like a, a third-degree burn that you did yesterday for uh, the <laughs> wonderful <laughs> Patreon subscribers.
1: It was. It oh, was. man, he's reusing days. content on the podcast. No, yeah. he's, he's well, giving
0: people exclusives.
2: Okay. They, got, they got an exclusive 24-hour preview of this burn, and then I liked it so much I thought I would do it again today because I want to hear what you guys think about
1: well, I got how a conservative Lucci uh, okay. is and how, what he might do. I got a question for you, Buzz. Because I I always knew, or at least this was my impression, that when Oscar Perea was coach of this team, I never had the sense that Oscar was making roster decisions based on pressure from above or because somebody was making X amount of dollars. I always got the sense that Oscar made roster decisions that he truly felt was the best thing for the team and for that particular player. But I can't say that I necessarily... Have that well. I'm, I'm gonna. I am I'm not gonna make a statement how I feel either way. I'm, this is what I want to ask you: Do you feel like Luchi Gonzalez, either in reality or just within his own head, feels like he has the ability to say, "Man, Tanner Tessman is absolutely crushing Brian Acosta in training. He needs to start this game." and somebody from else out, outside of the, the coaching staff is going, uh, no, 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 we're paying that guy a lot of money, and he's a World Cup veteran. You need to be playing him.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's that's what I'm saying. Now, listen, at the beginning Wait, of the what season, are you saying? Like any coach, I'm, a, what I'm are you agreeing saying? with you. I'm agreeing with, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. At the beginning of this season, any coach is going to lean towards the veterans because you have to give the veteran the benefit of the doubt coming into the season, Because if you don't, if you just trash them right away, like if they're not quite fit or something, if you just smash them and bench them right away, well, then they quit on you and they're a gigantic headache in the locker room and all that crap. So you kind of got to give a veteran a little bit of a nod. And for me, that's where Acosta testament is. Like Acosta was banged up a lot last year, but they are paying him a bunch. He is a very, like Lucci last year, remember how he kept talking about Acosta, how valuable he is to the team or whatever. There's some of that. But then I 100% think that it may not even be conscious. I 100% think that Lucci gets pressure from both Dan Hunt, particularly from Dan Hunt with Frank O'Hara. Dan Hunt tried to get that guy for three years and broke the record for the highest-paid player on the team to get him. And then now you're going to bench him and not play him? That'd that'd be no way. And then number two, uh, Andre Zanata, now is here. There's a technical director now here overseeing all this saying, I'm giving you really good players. You need to be playing these really good players I'm giving you. We've watched over the last year the disillusion of the play the kids across the board mantra. We've talked about how it's very likely you're going to get zero homegrown lineups this year. I think Lucci is either consciously or subconsciously influenced by the pressure of how much guys get paid, where they fit on the roster, structure in terms of their salary and the position they play and how much international experience they have and how experienced they are. I, I think that that's fundamentally true. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm doing a disservice, but I do.
0: I would say that, uh, you know, him benching um, Ziegler at the end of the season was was at least a sign that, uh, you know, DPs and World Cup veterans aren't the be-all, end-all. Um, well, you thing-
2: know, at that point,
0: Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one thing. I I don't think Brissan at right back. I, but uh, it did kind of dawn on me watching some of that B roll with uh, Ryan at right back and and Johnny at left back. That that kind of felt like uh, an opening day conservative move uh, that that Lucci might make. Uh, I mean, they they did bring Freddie Vargas in the same as Hadera uh, Brian or Brian, whatever it wants to be. Um, you know, with that same intention of being the starter. So, you know, I guess we'll have to see how, how it progresses.
1: Well,
2: a couple of things. Well, One, of Ziegler, Ziegler last year was.
1: Yeah, Ziegler had burned a bridge at that point with the whole social media contract issue, I think we had all made a decision on. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily an indication. I mean, hell, for all I know, Lucci was told not to play him because yeah, of true. what Ziegler had pulled on the club at that point. Um, uh, well, by that I, point you know, too, was, they
2: knew they, they knew. By that point point too, they knew Reto was leaving and that Martinez was coming in. I mean, Martinez yeah. has been talking about how he's been contacted a year ago to come here, right?
1: Yep, right. And I would the only thing I would say about a starting lineup like that, Buzz, with Brisson in the back, is is as excited as we all are and uh, about having a new center back and the growth of a, a new young right back after Brian Reynolds. And Reggie Cannon is that does mean that we are going into a 2021 season with 50% of your back line changed out and you may be able to uh, mitigate that by putting Brisson out on the right as much as that frightens me to no end Uh, so that it wouldn't surprise me to see Brisson started right back just because maybe that's the maybe in his mind that's the safest path to keeping consistency um, uh, across the back line, especially with as much change that is going to take place in front of those guys uh, in the front half of the team
2: yeah, you know lucci's very more is much more conservative defensively than he is offensively. Uh, look at how when Reynolds was starting to come along, they still went with Brisson for a couple of games, they still went for Hollings that for a couple of games, you know uh, over the last two seasons before Reynolds became the guy. So that's what I mean about, like, I'm not talking about the whole season. I'm just talking about opening day. Yeah. I'm Makes leaning sense. into the idea that he'll be conservative, you know, and that one or two guys might not be healthy. And so you're going to get this very defensive-minded back setup. And Hans had be forced to play up the field because, as we talked about, Lucci trusts him implicitly to put him wherever he needs him on the field to fill holes. So, you know, there's entirely possible you're going to have holes and that you're going to get this makeshift – defensive conservative lineup against Colorado, right? Colorado in the first game. Yep. Yeah.
0: There, there is one thing, uh, you know, in that same uh, conservative mindset, and that's uh, the depth of it all. If you have Brissana on the field, you're uh, left with really only Nikosi Burgess uh, on the bench who has played four USL League One games. Um, you know, And he if, might if, be hurt, right? Maybe yeah, he's not been in the, in the training play. footage lately. So, you know, he's, like you said uh, earlier, he's pro- probably banged up. So, you know, for the sake of depth, maybe maybe they don't. Uh, you know, I, I could see him kind of veering away from committing too many centre backs just in case Matt or Jose or, or Brisson go down and suddenly you have a, a further need.
2: Yeah, good point.
1: Um. Okay, Buzz. Anything else you want to rant and rave about before you restart your car and drive home, Dukes of Hazard Man, style?
2: I, yeah, I ran and read it. I ran it a lot tonight. Sorry, I got a little fired up.
0: There is one Maybe thing I that, can't watch the team play. There is one thing Buzz <laughs> asked earlier, and that was if Tanner and Acosta get the call up at the same time, who starts in the midfield?
1: Mm. Well they've got that's some options question. there. you uh, they've got uh, Thomas Roberts uh, could play in that position they could move they could move Paxton back into that position. I mean that would be the most obvious answer since that's where he should be playing in the first place. Um, I mean hey Seuss you, you could put Cerillo in there and move somebody and move Ricarte up. You've got options there.
2: Yeah I mean, we've seen Hollings have been playing there. We saw Tuamazi play playing there at the end of last season. So you know, th- there's lots of options. It's just an interesting question. Like if the, if both Tanner and Acosta has gone, what which way would they go? I, I agree with you, Peter Paxton's the answer. That's what it should be.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Anything else, fellas, before we shut up shop?
0: I should have one thing. Uh, so I, d- I had the me- uh, media call last week where I was the only person on it. That was a that was a new one. Um, oh, Christ. Oh jeez! So I'm writing some. I'm going to write something about uh, Johnny Nelson. Wait, is
1: no, no, hold on, time out. Was who was on the who was the media call with?
0: It was. It ended up being Johnny Nelson and Brissan. They they've started asking people who go on the calls who they want. I oh, wasn't. It was planning. a player
1: media call. It wasn't. It wasn't with like one of the hunts or with Lucci. Oh no, no, no. It, okay. it was, it was uh, a player media call. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I wasn't the only
0: yeah I wasn't even planning on being on like it so I was like oh, I didn't ask for anyone
1: <laughs> and I was
0: like oh screw it I'll go on anyway oh um, but uh, I was talking to Johnny about you know, versatility because he's played a little bit of centre back um, and Johnny said you know Lucci likes him as a centre back in a back three um, you know, he's played a little bit of defensive midfield but Buzz will really love when he said you know what that's all good and well but I want to be the start in left back I don't want to be a, a a depth piece in a different position.
1: Like I, I said, to start this podcast off, I want more back. Johnny Nelson in my po- in my FC Dallas. So yeah. much Johnny Nelson.
2: I, I love his mentality that he wants to be a starting left back. That's great. Hopefully, he gets better at offense and will be.
1: Uh, The only thing I will throw in is earlier in the pod, I was distracted because something popped up on my Twitter that uh, caught me off guard. Have you guys seen this tweet from FC Cincinnati of the exterior of their new stadium at night? Yeah, that's cool as hell. Holy shit. Uh, Buzz, the exterior on one side of their stadium essentially is one giant video board from end to end, and they are showing off some amazing light show of graphics and uh it's the entire exterior of the stadium it's really really cool and once again reinforcing my entire belief that all of the hype that we're hearing about austin's new stadium is way overdone because that stadium's nothing like what i'm seeing coming out of cincinnati and some of these other places
0: there's definitely like a tier system right you've got the cincinnati and Uh, LAFC, SKC, New York Red Bulls, who are are putting out these awesome stadiums. You've got the, they're kind of meh, but they're new, the the Austin, San Jose, DC United. And then you've got just the decrepit things like Frisco.
1: Well, look, here's the thing. Everybody is all excited about Austin because it has, quote unquote, a roof over it, and it I'm not really sure that roof is going to do a lot for that place because there's so much open air space around the entire thing in the corners above the stands. The roof line is really tall. I don't know how much that roof line is really going to help in terms of shading on a hot August day in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, I don't know how much that's really going to protect anybody from... I I don't know. I haven't seen it in person. I can only see it in photos. But every time I see somebody mention it, they're like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. And I see the photos and videos, and I go, it looks like kind of a high school stadium with a Costco roof above it. And... And again, maybe I'm just running a little crap because it's Austin. But then I see videos of like what's coming out in Cincinnati and what Nashville is building and uh, the other stadium that's coming out that's off the top of my head. I can't remember what it is um, that all look exponentially more advanced and considerably well thought out than what I'm seeing Austin built.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but that stadium's like right off Mopac Express, Expressway, right? So there's going to be more noise coming from outside through those huge gaps than there will be inside.
1: I, I don't know. Look, I'm sure Austin's going to have an amazing first season. I'm sure they're going to have great crowds and a tremendous atmosphere. Maybe that roof line will hold noise in. I don't know how because it doesn't look like it can with all the open space. But what do I know? Again, I have to, I have to, I have to be honest and say I've not seen it in person. Maybe it is amazing in person, but from the photos, it just looks kind of janky to me. Especially when I'm sitting here watching the FC Cincinnati thing put on a Pink Floyd light show. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think the same was kind of true when San Jose built that their stadium, which is you know fairly similar, but theirs has that really cool bar. Um, and I remember I was uh, I was driving through San Jose um, at one point, so I was like, oh, let me stop by and see like Buckshaw and and the new stadium. And the new stadium was crap. Like it, everyone was like raving about it, but when you actually see it in person, it's just kind of really underwhelming.
1: No, I haven't seen it, and let me say this in defense of Toyota Stadium. I know it doesn't have a roof, and but I would argue that there's not really a bad seat in that entire place, an actual seat, not a metal stand stuck in a, stand, uh, in a on a stage. Uh, all the sight lines in that place are amazing, and if they just kick off games at 8 p.m., we wouldn't have to worry about the heat and the sun and all that other crap that we deal with. Other than that, I think... Toyota Stadium is a great place to watch a soccer game um, and I know a lot of people like to crap on it but um, I, you know I don't hate as much as a lot of other people do
0: I just wish there was a bit more foresight when it was built because you know LA Galaxy is pretty much the same model built above ground with a bit more fancy stuff Chicago was the exact same stadium built above ground Colorado was the same stadium built above ground with a roof on top and really all of those have fared a lot better in time uh, you know, Frisco's kind of been hurt by the fact that it was built into the ground in a place that's pretty windy. So, rather than block that wind, it just creates that horrible uh, south to north wind, and you know, and then there's there's no substantial building to even put a, a roof of any kind on. Um, you know, people always cite the east side. The only way you're going to block that the sun on that one is if you build up the west side, which they're not going to do because there's just no point. Yeah, you know, it just when you see like the original pictures of what the stadium was supposed to be with that extra tier on the west side it just looked like it would have uh, probably fared a lot better today
1: well it yeah you know mock-up drawings always end up looking better than the final product more times than not and that's a, certainly the case in austin's uh story but um Again, I don't mean to knock. I don't mean to be crapping on Austin left and right. I just I'm 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 confused by all the hype. And again, if you haven't seen the FC Cincinnati video, <laughs> go oh check God. that stuff out. That's it's amazing. It's quite it's it's quite a light show. It's very good. All right, Buzz. Well, have a safe drive home tonight. Uh, thanks for your time today, sir.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, did we lose you? Did you just get bored with Dan and I ranting on stadium talk? he no, I said Thank you. <laughs> you not hear me? No, I did hear you. You just sounded put out yeah. by the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, okay, and thank you, Dan. Uh, love and adore you. Don't forget, third degree listeners, that third degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer Ninety. Don't forget to go get your 2021 FC Dallas gear over at that fantastic place online at Soccer Ninety dot com. They've got the new T-shirts, the new FCD Tiro pants, and yes, the lovely powder blue community kit is available now. You can even put your own name on it. Third Degree listeners, also use Third Degree as your promo code to get that hefty, hefty 25% off at checkout. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fans, for listening. We will speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Subscribe on Patreon now. Green air podcast third degree, the third degree, never third degree, the third degree, never third degree, the third
0: degree, never